on. Praise the Lord, everyone. Let's go ahead and get seated, and we'll take off in a moment. How's everyone doing tonight? Good, good. Feels good in here, and so we're gonna we're just gonna dive right in. Um, I'll use pastor's favorite phrase, you know, sometimes you feel like you have scrambled eggs, you know, you have a bunch of things going everywhere, but soon we'll have an omelet. So let's go ahead and pray for just a moment, and then uh, we're going to just talk about what the Lord's been kind of going over on me. Father, I pray that you touch our hearts and our minds, God. We submit our minds to you tonight, Jesus. We ask that you would touch us, Lord, that you would open up our hearts and our minds to your word. Father, we thank you for all that you're doing and all that you're going to do. I pray that you would touch each and every one of us in this place tonight, God, that we would hear your word and that we would receive your word and that we would be changed by your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Um, If you guys want to turn in your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I did not give this to them up there, but if they can, they don't have to pull it up necessarily if everyone has their Bibles. I'll, I'll read it as I go, but 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. And then we're going to go a couple other places. Um, the Lord's been dealing with me about what it means to be the church or to, to, to be a part of church or to, to go to church or anything and everything that kind of revolves around what we do. You know, my wife and I calculated one time and we spend about 20 hours a week at church, (laughs) basically enough for a part-time job. And I started thinking about the importance and the role that, that the church plays in my life. And, you know, I grew up in this. I've been in this in my entire life. And sometimes you take something like, like the church for granted. But the reality is, is when you, when you make the decision to follow Jesus, when you, you know, you're baptized in Jesus name, you're, you're filled with the spirit, you start making decisions that say, you know, we, we go away from the things of the world, things that used to be things we used to do. And we start submitting ourselves to the kingdom of God. All right. Jesus said, he said, don't worry about, you know, everything going on in the world. He said, don't worry about clothes. Don't worry about food. He said what? He said, seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and everything's going to be taken care of. Um, I work currently in in an environment that's very focused on the markets and the economy and the globe and and everything like that, and I've I've been watching what's coming down the pipeline, and there's part of me that gets nervous. I get nervous about things that I see, things that I hear, things that I read. And if I'm not careful, I can allow everything else going on in life to to take the place of what God is trying to do here and now, not just with me, but with each of us. When we come to the church, when we come to this building, this is just, for those of you that don't know, the church is just a centralized location where the, where the, the people of God meet. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. The church building is just a place where we come together. But the church in its, in its origin is, is a gathering place. It's a place where, where those that are, that are trying to follow Jesus come together and we, we talk about the things of Jesus. 
We, 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 we eat food together. We enjoy time spent with the people in the fellowship of God because whenever we go out into the world, it's not that way, right? The world is full of, of, of a lot of junk and garbage, and I try to get it in these guys' brains, you know, that it's, it's not a good place that we want to be. And I've been going into the book of 2 Timothy with them lately because, to me, 2 Timothy is one of the one of the more important letters that Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church or to, to one of his um, sons in Christ is what he called him. Paul was, in this last letter in 2 Timothy, this was the last known letter that the Apostle Paul wrote um, to someone that he considered a son in Christ. It was someone that was young, probably around our youth's age, and it was someone that was important enough to him, to the Apostle Paul, to the guy that wrote 70% of the Bible, started a bunch of churches. He singled out this one young man and wrote to him because of the, the impact that this man had on Paul's life. But shortly before Paul was executed, uh, they don't really know how he died necessarily. Some say he got his, he got his, he was decapitated. Some say other things. But before he did, all, before he died, he wrote this last letter to Timothy. And so I was, I was trying to talk to the youth the other day, and I was like, you know, the reality is, is this is like someone's, someone that you love, someone that cares about you, someone that is important to your life. This is their last notes about, hey, I care about you. I love you. Here's what you need to do. Here is what is important. As we look across the world today, too many people are distracted by unimportant things, and I'm one of them. I get distracted by things that don't ultimately matter. But when it comes to the church, when it comes to being a Christian, because that's the, that's the question I'm trying to answer today is in, in my own life, every day is what does it mean to be a Christian? Not, not what does it mean to be perfect, not what does it mean to be holier than thou, not any of that stuff, but what does it mean to follow Jesus? Because that's, that's what I want to know, is how do I follow Jesus? I've spent a lot of time, I've spent a lot of time repenting over wasting time. Because each, each day we find ourselves so distracted by everything that goes on that we are always in danger of wasting time. But time is literally the only thing that we have, and we don't even know how much of it we have. And yet we're so distracted by, by social media and all this stuff. But anyways, Paul was writing to Timothy, and he said this in chapter 3, verse 1. He said, but understand this. I'm going to read from up here. This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those who, that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And this is the linchpin of it all, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. He says, he, it's simply, it's a simple line, from such turn away. When we, when we make a decision to come to Jesus, to follow, to follow Jesus, we have to be aware that there's a lot of this stuff going on. 
you don't have to look far into social media or the news or Facebook or anywhere really to see every single thing Paul listed going on. You, he dealt with it too. It's not anything new. He dealt with the same exact things that we deal with. We just have easier access to it. But he goes on and he says, he says in verse 10, remember he was, he was commending Timothy, but thou hast fully known my doctrine. You, you've listened to me. Manner of life, how, how I've lived. He's, remember, he's telling this to Timothy, he's saying, this is how I've lived. You've seen this. Purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience. All of this stuff you've seen in my life as I tried to show you how to live like Christ. He goes on. Persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all, the Lord delivered me. When we make the decision to, to follow Jesus, there's not, life is not going to be easy. It's not going to be fun and full of games, and, and there's not going to just be an easy road ahead of us. And especially for the church, because you guys know I like history. History has been no, no friend of the church. And if, I, if, I'm not, if I'm not cautious, if I'm not paying attention, I can get caught up in what's going on in the world around me and what's happening around me. And I can totally forget to look at this. I can totally forget to realize that the Lord is going to deliver us out of whatever comes our way. Lacey and I are in the a, in a, in a midst of making a really big decision with our lives. And it's the first time in, in, in my life, honestly, uh, maybe not my life, but it's the first time in recent memory that I've had to make this big of a decision. I've, I've, it's, to, for some reason, my brain has said it's, it feels like it's a bigger decision than, than having kids. I don't know why. Because I, I, well, I think partially what I think is, is that I'm getting ready to make a decision that is making me 100% rely on God. I don't, I, I tell Lacey all the time, and I'm, I'm just being open with you guys. I hope that's okay. I tell Lacey all the time, I feel like with this, this decision we're making, I feel like I'm looking out into a gray wall. Like I, I see a road, there's a pathway right down, right down this aisle. And at the very end of the aisle, there's a gray wall there of unknown. I just don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I, sometimes I'm scared. Sometimes I have good days. Sometimes I have bad days. Sometimes, you know, I wake up and I'm like, yeah, we got this. And sometimes I'm like, oh, no, we don't got this. But the reality is, is I'm trying to trust Jesus. At the end of my life, at the end of, at the end of everything that I do, not a dollar matters, not a penny matters, not, nothing matters if I missed what Jesus was wanting to do with my decisions. If I missed what the purpose of what I was doing is, was for his kingdom. He said right there at the very end, at the very end, he says, but out of all of this, out of all of this, the Lord delivered me. We all go through different things. We all have different struggles, different trials. You guys go through different things than I do. But as, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, and, and Christians just means Christ-like. That's what it means. It means someone that is trying to live like Christ. We have to make the decision, and, and some of us aren't very good at it. For a long time, I'm, I'm not very good at it. Honestly, sometimes I'm, I wish I was better at following Jesus. But my goal in my life is to make sure that, hey, 
there is going to be times where there's paths where I don't know the outcome. I don't know if there's going to be a recession next year. I don't know of all this stuff. I have no clue. But if I get caught up in that, if I don't pay attention to what Jesus is trying to do, I will miss everything. And Paul, he goes on, and this this is like, this is the, the weight of what he says. In, in chapter 4, he goes on. He says this, and this is the life of a Christian. If you want to know what it means to follow Jesus and what it looks like, because a lot of us have that question every day. You know, we make mistakes, we have problems, but we have this, if, if you're sincere about your faith, you have this simple question, is what does it look like? He says this, he says, I charge you, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. They will come, when, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. He goes on. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make proof of thy ministry, for I am now ready to be offered. That's a, that's a, Paul is saying I'm ready to die, right? That's what he's telling Timothy, he's saying I'm ready to die. All of this I just told you. Every, there's a lot in here. He said I'm, I'm, I'm ready to die. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all of them also that love his appearing. At the end of our at the end of our day, at the end of our time. God alone knows the hours that we have left, the days, the months, the years. Seek this. Seek this. Don't seek everything else going on. The, 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 the sum total of, of, of our walk with God is, is really simple. Paul said it right there. Preach, teach, live humbly, he says in another book. With all people, with all people, don't get caught up in, in politics. Don't get caught up in what the, what the, what the media and the news and, and everyone else is trying to get riled up in. Pastor said it the other night. Don't, don't care about that stuff. He said, Leave, live peaceably with all men. And the goal of that is that when we do this, we will fulfill the kingdom of God and the purpose that each and every one of us has in the kingdom of God. Some of us, we might not feel like we have a purpose in, in, in coming to church. You know, sometimes at one point I compared myself to the pinky toe. I was like, I'm coming here. I don't do nothing. But the reality is, is each and every one of us has a role. Even if you don't feel like it, even if you're not plugged in and involved and not wanting to be or trying to be or whatever, you coming here, you being here, you connecting and communing with the people of God, that is a role to play. 
And the moment we stop playing that role is the moment Paul said, he said, he said, we, we, we run the danger of cutting ourselves off from the body. And as the day is drawing nearer and nearer for the church to face things, it's going to, it's, it's history has said it, the Bible said it, everything you're looking down the pipeline is saying, we're going to be coming up against some junk. Right now is the time that we as the body of Christ need to be coming together. We don't need to have division. We don't need to have strife. And I, I, don't, I'm, this wasn't, I don't have any notes, so this isn't a part of anything. We don't need to have that stuff because ultimately this is the body of Christ. Each and every one of us represent the bride of Christ. And I can't remember who said it. I think it might have been Pastor. You know, what man likes to see is his wife get beat up. You know, and if we're the body of Christ and we're talking bad about the body of Christ or we're hurting or we're, we're demeaning the body of Christ, we're in danger. It's a dangerous place to be. But when we come together, when we come and, and we, we gather together and we start to worship the Lord, when we start to praise, praise the name of Jesus, when we start to worship and, and commune with God and each other, that is what the ultimate purpose of being a Christian is about right now. That's the ultimate purpose of why we come to church is to commune together, is to connect with Jesus. And so if you take anything from this simple thought, the simple message is we, we are the church, guys. This is the church. This is, this is your family. This is your brothers and sisters in Christ. He says, he, Paul says, the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. He says, um, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. That's our role. That's, that's, that's the church. That's us today. That's what we need to be focusing on. Amen. Let's pray real quick and then we'll have Brother Lockwood come up. Father, I pray that you would take this simple message, this simple thought, the simple word and Help it to apply to our lives. God, let it grow like a seed in our hearts. God, let it grow like a seed in our minds, Father. Teach us to, fe- to, to truly follow you, God. Teach us to truly follow after you in accordance with what your desire is, Jesus. We thank you, God, for the church. We thank you for the body of Christ. Help us to truly be like what you're calling us to be. Help us to seek your kingdom first in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. It's an honor to be up here, and uh, I love this church, and I love every one of you. I appreciate you. Say it every time I'm up here. Tell me your testimony. I need your your faith sometimes, but praise God. We're going to talk about something tonight that uh, uh, you got to learn how to do this, or you're not going to make it. Um, I've only got 20... Uh, like 20 years, 19 years, something like that, living this way. Um, that's a small comparison to some, but it's not my first year. And there is something that's a common denominator in every person that I've seen walk with God. And that's this. We're going to go to James chapter 3 and verse number 6. And the tongue is a fire a world of iniquity, so is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body 
and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. That's simple. (laughs) Death and life is in our mouth. And when it says it's going to set the course of nature, if you read in a different version, that is setting the course of your future, of your nature, of what is going to happen with you and for you. If you are going to live for God, if you are going to walk with God, if you're going to make it in this fight, your tongue has got to be figured out how to give him honor and how to give him praise. Because there's a common denominator in everything I've seen that somebody that's lived for 50 years for God, 10 years for God, every time I see somebody with a smile on their face or every time I see somebody with faith coming out of them, they've got this thing figured out, is they're praising God. Nobody loses when you have praise in your heart. Nobody loses when you have praise coming out of your mouth. When Paul said, think on these things, it didn't just mean imagine them. It meant act on these things, do these things. If there's anything good, if there's anything lovely, if there is a good report, think on these things, but talk about these things. I've never met somebody on fire for God. I've never met somebody that just loves God with everything they have, but is an idiot as they walk out that door. Um, You guys never met him. We called him Popo Red. Um, His last name was Keeling, but he had red hair. And they called him Brother Red. He would be lucky to have two pennies rubbed together. Had nothing. Like, the, the stories I know about the guy, evangelized for 40, 50 years and would leave with like three or four dollars from the church and like his shoes the bottoms of him, he had cardboard in him. Like, he had every right to just say, life is hard, and I quit. He had every right to do it. When I met him, his wife had already had a stroke, and she just laid on the couch all the time. But there's something that they figured out before the hard times. I never sat down with Popo Red. We called him Grandpa Red. I never sat down with him, and he told me how horrible his life was. People came all over the place to give him money. And that's how he paid his bills. His house caught fire and burned down. We found him at a hotel. Just randomly, hey, let's go see Popo Red. And we get to his house and it's just charcoal. And we start making phone calls. We find him at a hotel. And you know what he did when we saw him? Praise the Lord, come here, give me a hug. Just he'd hug your neck. Now, some of you would say he's just an airhead and just whatever. But power rests in your tongue. And if you're going to lose this fight, this little red devil is going to kill you. The little red devil behind the pearly white gates, it's going to kill you. But somebody that lives for God and makes it in this fight learns how to give God praise At all times, I will bless the Lord. Sometimes I will bless the Lord on Thursday afternoon. I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be out of my mouth. 
whether I got money in the bank or not, whether I'm bankrupt or rich, whether I'm healthy or sick, whether I've got problems or my life is good, I've got to learn how to bless the Lord at all times and let his praise continually flow out of my mouth. I don't need, I don't have time to tell you how bad my life is. I don't have time to tell you how much I hate the president. I got time to tell you how much Jesus Christ loves me. I got time to tell you you can make it. I got time to tell you that God is on your side. You got to learn how to do it. You got to learn how to praise him. And I tell you, in our darkest time, in our darkest hour, when we praise God, when we learn how to give it to him, while those problems seem to fade away, when the, when the banker's knocking on my door saying, you owe me money, bless the Lord, all oh, my soul, and that pressure leaves. When the doctor tells me, you got a bad report, bless the Lord, all oh, my soul, you're going to win this fight if you learn how to do it in your face devil in your face devil we got to learn how to bless the Lord we got to learn how to praise him we got to learn how to do it we set our course we set our course on fire we set our course good or bad because death and life is in the power of that little red devil it's in the power of my mouth but if I learn how to bless God, so praise the Lord, Ian. God's good. God's going to help me. I don't know your name, but God's going to help you. Gabriel, God's going to help you. Bless the Lord on my soul and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Hallelujah. There's one God and his name is Jesus. Now for you skeptics that may be criticizing me right now. Just blessing the Lord doesn't make things disappear. Stop trying to analyze and say, I've tried it, Steve, and they're still after me. What it does is it changes my spirit. It changes me. It changes my attitude to the problem. If you owe a bill, pay your bill. Right? You borrow the electricity, pay the bill. You sign that paper saying you'll make your payment, make your payment. Just because I praise God doesn't make my contract disappear. But I tell you, when I miss a couple payments, and the devil says, see, you no good loser, you pitiful rotten thing you, and I sit down and I listen to him. And I sit down and say, man, you're right, man. I thought I had this thing figured out. Man, that Steve told me if I just bless the Lord, all these things go away. But I double dog dare you to find somebody in the grave. Pull them out of the grave if you can. You can't do it, but we'll figure it out one day. Somebody that made it in this fight, and they're going to tell you, I learned how to bless God. I double dog dare you to prove me wrong. Go find somebody that's been living for God for 75 years. And you, and you, you tell me that they didn't learn how to bless God in hard times. You tell me they didn't learn how to bless God in good times. You tell me they didn't figure this thing out. And it's going to help us win. The weapons of a warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty. And one of my weapons is my little red devil in my mouth, my tongue. 
My tongue is a weapon for me. My, my words that come out of my mouth is a weapon for me. It builds me up. It tells me I can do it. It gives me an ego trip. It tells me that when in hard times, Steve, you're going to make it. Steve, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. That's what praise will do for you. That's what getting your tongue in control will do for you. But I doubled, I, I, uh, why do I keep saying double dog dare you? But, but I, I dare you to find, I dare you to prove me wrong. You can, you, can, you can prove me wrong in front of everybody. Embarrass the daylights out of me. But the Bible is true, and every man is a liar. God is true, and every man is a liar. And if that's what he wrote, that's what he says. Praise God. But if we learn how to bless the Lord at all times, if we learn how to give him praise at all times, if we learn how to not give up, and when I'm feeling, when I'm feeling weak and not strong, when the doctor's telling me you got cancer and you got six months to live, I got to praise God. When your kid's sick and you don't know what's going to happen, I got to learn how to praise God. And it doesn't always mean run around in circles. It doesn't always mean jump up and down. But I promise you it means bless the Lord, oh my soul. God, I love you. God, you're going to do it. You're going to make a way for me. God, you're going to provide for me. You're going to do it for me. Death and life is in the power of my mouth. God, you're going to make a way for me. I know I'm 39 and I'm a kid. I know it. I'm a brat and I know it. But in 39 years, the worst times of my life have been me wallowing in, in just a mess. The lowest times of my life, I'll sat there and feel sorry for myself. But the pattern is when I, when I start blessing God. See, I'm not blessing God to get the result. When pastor was preaching on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and he just began to tell, tell us how God is just our governor, God is our king, and he's the ultimate everything. There was, I looked at Phil and I was like, man, that just happened. Because we began to praise God for who he is, not for what he's going to do for me. That's what this is saying. I'm not trying to bless God to manipulate him to make my life good. I'm trying to bless him because he loves me. I'm trying to bless him because I love him back. I'm trying to bless him because he's God and I'm not. I'm trying to bless him. Am I doing good? When we get to heaven, you better learn how to bless God. Because we're going to do it for a million billion years. When we see Jesus, I, I hope there's fishing up there. The football. Praise God. I hope the Cubs are up there. I don't think that God placed mountains, palm trees, oceans, beautiful things we encounter, bugs, and all sorts of birds and beautiful things here when he said there's going to be better. This is Steve Lockwood terminology, so be a kindergartner with me. But when we get there, I don't think I'm going to sit down and say, man, I owe this bill. Man, I messed up. Man, I can't make it. Man, my dad didn't talk to me. Man, my mom does this. Man, you know there's no preachers in my family. You know, we're not going to, we might as well learn it here. Because you like it or not, you're going to do it over there for a million, billion, trillion years. You may not be around the throne every single day, but you take a trip to that throne, you're going to have to know how to do it. When Jesus said, depart from me, I never knew you to those people. 
See, they loved God for the presence. They did the things because of the gifts, the presence of God, not his presence. Not falling in love with him. See, when they looked at Jesus and said, we've cast out devils in your name, we've done mighty works in your name, who are you? Why would, why would he say that? Is, he, is that a rhetorical question? Is that him making an arrogant statement? Or is that him saying, that's funny, I've never heard of you. You've never said, you've never called me to your house. You've never told me how much you love me. Maybe it's a rhetorical statement for me. I don't know. But we set a course of our life with our mouth. I don't have it figured out. But I, 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 if the altar could talk, if the altar could talk and tell you story after story after story, there's a breaking point that we all get to when we're giving this to God. Yes, you're voicing your frustration. I've done it too. And you probably should do that more than often than you think. You're voicing your frustration to God. But every person that's been at this altar or any other church or at your house, there's a breaking point in you to where you begin to break and you stop telling him about the problems. But your mouth changes and your words change. I just love you, Jesus. Praise begins to flow out of you. It's just, the, it's just the, I don't know, the cycle of how it works. But all of us have experienced it. Frustration, praise, wow, I feel better. This isn't going to a, 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 a room. I need to tell you about my problems. Okay, see ya. He's not a, in, a, in a box saying, okay, uh-huh, check, yep, all right, see ya. You might do that. But if we would be real with ourselves and tell us the times that we've gone to God with those times and we broke, praise begins to just flow out of us. You think the people that are running around dancing and doing stuff here and, and bouncing how we do, or the people that used to be drug addicts that aren't anymore, the people that used to have a bunch of hatred in their heart that aren't anymore, you think they got there because they just was grumpy all the time? You know what, it, you know what it, it, it was? Their mouth gave God praise. And it won the victory for them. What am I saying? I got to end this. I'm mad. It's a holy anger. Because what happens? We get mad. And we stay mad. And the devil wins. He wins. Because we stay grumpy. We keep our problem. And he laughs all the way to the bank or the graveyard. 
Those, those graveyards are full of dead people and all sorts of stuff they never gave to God. But when we break, when we give it to God, when we let that out of us, we start chipping away at that redwood tree right in front of us. It just, a little bit at a time, a little bit of praise come out of my mouth and a big old chunk out of that tree comes out. But eventually that bad boy falls down and we have victory. And eventually it's not a struggle in our, li- in our life anymore. So why don't we all stand up? Praise God. This is the wrong way to end it, but it's Steve Lockwood. This had, what, thank you, Jesus. Praise God. <clears throat> We're going to give God praise right now. If you want to run, run. If you want to jump, jump. But we're going to take our axe for the next five, ten minutes. And we're going to chop away at our big old redwood tree right now. And I don't want you to tell him, God, I want you to do this. I just want you to give God praise for who he is. The king of kings, the lord of lords, the first and the last, the alpha and omega, the one who was and is and is to come. What else do you want me to say about him? He's God, and he's going to help us win. He's going to help us fight this battle. And we're going to praise him right now. We're going to worship him right now. With our axe out, we're going to chop down this tree a little bit. We're going to take a big old chunk out of our problems right now. So right now, lift your voice. Father, we love you. We praise your name. We praise your name, God. You're great and greatly to be praised. Hallelujah, Jesus. I thank you, Father. Yes, Lord. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Father. God, you're the governor of my life. You're the king of my life. You're Alpha and Omega. You're God, and I love you. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Say it with me. Say hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, I bless your name. Hallelujah, Jesus. 